0: God's presence is like living near a nuclear power plant. There is tremendous power that is just right in the middle of your community, and that's both amazing and daunting. When things are good, they're really good. But when things go bad, then they get really bad. It's You put a power plant in your backyard. You do not want a meltdown. You want everyone who works there and who visits there to carefully follow every single rule, every single regulation, in order to prevent catastrophe. And it's like that here in the book of Leviticus, for the people of God wandering in the wilderness with the Lord in their midst. The tabernacle was the exact center of their community. And just like a nuclear reactor, series, it is very visible. It was a, a big pavilion that was surrounded by walls and protected by guards with a pool of smoke rising into the sky. And that smoke communicated something vitally important to the people needed to understand. God is here. God is here. It's full of amazing and daunting women right next to God requires care. There is an urgent need for everyone to follow all of God's rules, all of God's This is a good word. It's a good word for us to hear this morning, and the message is both simple and relevant. God demands a holy ministry. God's people need a holy ministry? So keep the ministry holy. With that in this is what we need to Leviticus twenty-one. Yes. And of Christ, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, No one will make himself unclean for the dead among his people, except for his closest relatives, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, or his virgin sister, who is near to him because he has no husband. For her, he may make himself unclean. He shall not make himself unclean as a husband among his people and so profane himself. They shall not make bald patches on their heads, nor shave off the edges of their beards, nor make any cuts on their bodies. They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God. For they offer the Lord seed offering, the bread of their God. Therefore, they shall be holy. They shall not marry prostitutes. Or woman who You, you the defire. you shall marry a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to your God. You cannot sanctify him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. And the daughter of any priest, if you shall herself by horse, for things of father, he shall be burned with fire. The priests, who among his brothers, on whom the anointing oil is poured, and who has been consecrated to wear the garments, shall so not let the hair of his head may be, nor tear his clothes. He shall not go into any dead body, nor make himself unclean, even for his father or for his mother. He shall not go out of the sanctuary, but he profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is on him. I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her beginning, a widow, or a divorced woman, or a woman who has been defiled, or a prostitute, and he shall not marry, but he shall take as his wife a virgin among people, that he may not profane his offspring among his people, for I am the Lord who sanctifies him. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generations who have the blemish may approach to offer the bread of the God. For so no one who has a blemish shall draw near a man blind, or lame, or one who has a mutilated face, or a limb too long, or a man who has an injured foot, or an injured hand, or a hunchback, or a dwarf, or a man with a defect in his sight, or an itching disease, or dead, or a cut testicles. No man of the offspring the priest who has a blemish shall so come near and offer the Lord's good offering. This he has a blemish; he shall not come near to offer the bread of God. He may really eat the bread of God, both of the most holy and of the holy things, but he shall not give the veil or approach the altar, because he has a blemish, that he may not profane my sanctuary. For I am the Lord who sanctifies him. So Moses spoke to Aaron and to his sons. And to all the people of Israel, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to Aaron and his son so that they abstain from the holy things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me. Because they, you, they do not profane my holy temple. I am the Lord. Say to them, If any one of all your offspring, throughout your generations, approaches the holy things that the people of Israel dedicate to the Lord, while he has an uncleanness, that person." So be my presence. I am the Lord. You none know of the offering of Aaron who has a leprous disease, or a discharge may be of a holy thing until he is clean. Whoever touches anything that is unclean through contact with the dead, or a man who has an illusion of semen, and whoever touches a sworn thing by which he may be made unclean, or a person from whom he may take uncleanness, whatever is unclean. For whom touches such a day, shall be unclean until the evening, and shall not eat of the holy things unless he bathes in body with water. When the sun goes down, he shall be clean, and afterward he may eat of the holy things. He that is unclean, he shall not eat what dies itself, or torn by beasts, and so make himself unclean by it. I am the Lord. They shall therefore keep my charge, lest they bear sin for it and die. Therefore. When they profane I am the Lord who sanctifies you them. A lay person shall not be of a holy thing. No foreign death of a priest or hired worker shall be of a holy thing. But if a priest buys a slave with his property for money, the slave may be of you know it. And anyone born in his house may be of this food. And a priest's daughter married a layman. He shall not eat of the contribution of holy things, but if a priest's daughter is widowed or divorced and has her child and returns to her father's house, as in the Greek, he may eat of her father's food, yet no lay person shall do this. And if anyone eats of uh, a holy thing highly intentionally, mean, he shall add a fit of exalted spirit and give the holy thing to the priest. They shall not proclaim the holy thing to the people of Israel. Which they can to the Lord, and to so cause them to bear iniquity and guilt, by eating their holy things, for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, and all the people of Israel, and say to them, When any one of the house of Israel, or the sojourners in Israel, presents a burnt offering you his offering, for any of their vows or free will offerings that they offer to the Lord, if it is to be accepted for you, it shall be a meal without blemish of the bull, or the sheep, or the goat. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a vow, or the free will offering from the herd or from the flock, To be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. Animals, blind, or disabled, or mutilated, or having a discard, or a gift, or stab, you shall not offer to the Lord, or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar. You may present a bull or lamb that has a part too long, or too short for a simple offering, but for a vow offering, it cannot be accepted. Any animal that has accepted fruit or screwed fruit or crushed or torn or touched, you shall not offer to the Lord, you shall not do it within your land, neither shall you offer as the bread of your God any such thing gotten from a foreigner, since there is a blemish in them because of their mutilation, they will not be accepted for you. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When an ox or sheep or goat was born, it shall be steady to the mother. And from the eighth day on, it shall be acceptable as a food offering to the Lord. For you shall not kill and ox for a sick answer done in one day. And when you sacrifice, a sacrifice is thanksgiving to the Lord. You shall sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten on the same day. You shall be it until morning. I am the Lord. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord, and you shall not profane my holy name. That I will sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. So this is this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Or do we thank you for a word instructing us and holding us God? We pray now that through this word, you would keep us through the word, convict you of our hearts and minds, teach us your will and way, so that we would walk in it. Teach us as well about Now, is so I want you to think of these chapters that so, I just read as sort of a handbook for holy ministry, these for the rules and regulations that kept things operating well at the tabernacle and you're just rule or a hander for a holy ministry begins with God's decree. We hear very clearly in this passage that God demands a holy ministry. ministry God demands a holy ministry. And a holy ministry that God demands includes holy leaders and holy offerings. That's the breakdown of Three chapters, and that's why we kept them together. One chapter is about holy leaders, the other chapter is about holy offerings. Chapter 21 is about meters, so holy leaders who are holy in three areas: mourning, marriage, and holiness. Let's run down the verses with me here. Verses one through six told the priests, I'll preserve their holiness in the mourning and grief." Verses 7 through 9 told the priest how to preserve their holiness in marriage and helping the enemies. Verses 10 through 12 of that chapter told the peace priest how to mourn properly, and the peace priest had stricter prohibitions on him than the rest of the priest. Verses 13 to 15 told the peace priest how to marry, again, with stricter prohibitions than the rest. And then verses 16 through 24 told the priest. That physical health was essential if they were going to offer offerings to the Lord on the Lord's altar. So now these rules, as we've gone through them and heard them read aloud, might feel obscure, pity. They might even feel to us, but if we suddenly them together, they provide a beautiful picture of the holy leadership. Holy leaders. According to Leviticus 21, holy leadership reigns hope. Holy leadership reigns hope. God is light and light and vitality. And so everyone who ministers in his presence should still take that. It should still hope, hope of life. Not oh, the most even in the midst of their breeds, pagan practices. Taking practices, such as cutting off various parts of their hair, on their head, or the sides of their beard, or by making cuts on their bodies in in the spirit of the dead but, uh, mm-hmm. to to mourn them. There were taken practices that were prohibited. What contact with dead bodies was prohibited. They were supposed to breathe with God's soul. I the high priest. The high priest, as we've heard in the was forbidden from going to any funeral at all, except uh, as it to the rest of the scriptures testify, except for the funeral of his wife. Unlike the other priests, he could not alter his appearance at all over the death of a loved one, and that would have been a costly sacrifice. I'm sure, hard for his heart. The do was the costly sacrifice had a redemptive purpose. His physical appearance, the highly physical appearance, shows people their ultimate hope. That God's presence damaged death forever. So the people needed to look at the leadership and to hope Also, who was the leader? marriage, And family were meant to showcase status. Marrying a prostitute would obviously show that the priest didn't care about God's righteous standards. Marrying a divorced woman might bring the priesthood into disrepute if the divorce hadn't been proper, and it also prevented the priest from uh, having an affair with someone and then demanding that she get divorced so that they could get married, which became a power check. On the priest. Similarly, if the divorced woman or widow already had children, then it would also raise questions that the people of Israel would be wondering like, would those children get to be priests? And that could create a priestly scandal. It is the same with unstable children. In the ancient years, prostitution was usually linked with some sort of Temple worship, and so if the daughter of the priest became a prostitute, it would suggest that the temple or the tabernacle had become a brothel, and it's obviously not going to work. And so that is why the punishment for her was so severe. What we hear in the scriptures all of this highlights the need here for the leadership to radiate faithful, and especially the high priest. To be called to an even higher standard the rest of the priest regarding merit, the people. We need to look at the leadership and be faithful. And finally, holy leadership radiates holiness. Holy leadership radiates holiness. The priest who offered sacrifices on the altar needed to be physically whole. And we heard a list of all of the, the of the disabilities that disqualify a priest from serving in that capacity, serving uh, and, and offering, writing a sacrifice on God's altar. And to our ears, that sounds harsh, even discriminatory, but if you we know, look carefully at the passage of God's bringing, still abounds for these individuals in the other altars of the time, priests with the authority were rejected from the priesthood outright. Not in Israel. Here, in Israel, priests with the were still since. They were still holy. They still got to peace the holy truth. Even the most holy truth that was given to the Lord. They were still welcomed by God into his presence. God considered them beloved. we might wonder why didn't they to the altar, and that is because the altar, in turn, was a visual representation, uh, a visual portrayal of both creation and redemption. Again, the, the priest maybe this sacrifice on the altar, sort of the smoke going up into the heavens—all of it was a picture of. In and everything we will have in God's consummated kingdom is intimacy and forgiveness and renewal in the original creation there were no disabilities and in we all disabilities are healed by the Lord and so in this visual representation the priest need to look the part again as a visual embodiment of redeemed Physical wholeness, but then pointing to moral and spiritual wholeness. Because people need to look at the leadership as the right? and be wholeness. This is what the leadership looks like. So full, faithful, and full. God demands holy leadership, God also demands holy offerings. And that's what chapter 22 is about holy offerings. Here's what we learn in these verses. Verses 1 through 16 Holy offerings are pure. Only handled by priests who are ceremonially clean, only eaten by ceremonially clean members of the priest's family. Because these offerings were God's special possession, only they needed to be kept pure in this way. And then we can move on. Verses 17 25 Holy offerings are perfect. Only perfect animals are suitable for sacrifice. The, the reason, again, yeah, is that these offerings God God's special possessions. They were gifts. They were giving to you the king out of love and thanksgiving and connection. Uh, and understanding that this person is forgiveness. And in that scenario, giving God anything less like than that. 26 through 28, holy offerings are fruited. The animal that the year was limited to the mother for seven days after birth, allowing The mother to have time with her offspring and also allowing the shepherd to have time to become an animal's health. But then we hear in verse 28, he shall not kill an ox or a and her young in. And have God in the same day, it was just a mere bundle. It was immediately picked have the palace of Israel's lot and the one there to be able to provide sacrifice after sacrifice. And so this is a very fascinating window into God's heart. And so we see God is not a I'm hardly this. God encourages their giving. He does not encourage foolish giving. Holy offering of foolishness. Finally, verses 29 and 30, the holy offering of the proper. Verse 29 and 30, and when you sacrifice a sacrifice, sacrifice a thanksgiving to the Lord, you shall sacrifice it so that you may be accepted and so shall be eaten on the same day you can none of it until way I am the Lord. And remember what we offerings were, about. We were about. The offering of thanksgiving was a feast with God. It was a lively, effective, deeply meaningful, spiritual encounter with the Lord. And it is was rare, a special experience. And so in you first get God's head, that's like it. Don't so, treat this holy meal that you're enjoying just like another common meal. Don't try to save so the leftovers. Don't try to take some to be a snack on the road. Don't no. keep the offering by considering it with the common. Make the offering properly. So this is the holy ministry that God demands. Holy meal, you and faithfulness, and holiness, holy offerings that are pure, perfect, prudent, and proper. But now, we might ask ourselves, why is God there? Like, I think we have in our minds uh, an idea that God is receiving uh, orders. Still, just, we're going to, to think a little bit about why is God there? We might even ask, why can't God just be happy with whatever did? How are we give Him and however we give it? And when we ask the question that way, the question really hinges itself, doesn't it? Why can't God just be happy with whatever we bring to Him, God? Remember, God is he has the Lord. You thought about it today. The Lord is King. He the Creator. He the Lord. And in verse thirty-three in chapter twenty-two, reminds us he's the redeemer, the one who rescues us from slavery. He He is our savior. God demands a holy ministry because he is holy. Twenty-one verse eight says, "You shall sanctify the priest, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you. For I, the Lord, who sanctifies you, am holy." Verse 22, verse 2, teach Aaron and his sons that they may have given a holy offering to the people of Israel so that they may not proclaim my holy name. This is not arrogance. And it's appropriate. Mystery God is for Him. It is right that a holy God. Is not with God's demands, the problem tends to be with our heart. Without these demands, written for us in the scripture, very really likely God's people would offer him less than the best. And so these words tell us to believe not only that God demands a holy ministry, but holy God deserves a God, holy ministry. He deserves the best from in a holy ministry properly honors our holy God. but before, not to God's mind. He blesses us as much as only bless us, God's He shall add the secret value to it and give the holy thing to the priest. They will not proclaim the holy thing to the people of Israel which they contribute to the Lord, and so cause them to bear iniquity and guilt. If a priest fail to draw God's holy truth from someone else, and that other person, that not priest ate of it, that person then owes it to the it. Or they were guilty of sin. Or we could take chapter 23, verse 20. You shall not offer anything that has a lemon, for it will not be acceptable for you. If the people offered an infirmary, a lemon, animal for a sacrifice, it wouldn't atone for them. God would not (laughs) accept it. Or chapter 22, verses 32, Failure to God's hand to sing God's holy name. These were costly errors. They magnified sin and guilt. They increased the probability of some sort of catastrophic discipline. Remember the power plant analogy. You, when you're living near a nuclear power plant, you have to avoid errors and a holy ministry provided that. Protection. When they did their job, the priests taught the people how to avoid sin. And they inspected the sacrifice. And they guarded the holy things of the Lord against improper actions or even the spirit of the faith. And when they did their job, the people honored the teaching of the priest and supported the priests in the pursuit of holiness. A holy ministry offered protection. To make people be careful or keep them on their toes, we build a nuclear power plant to connect people to life giving power. And God didn't move into the neighborhood just to make people be on their best behavior. God moved into the neighborhood to bless them with Himself. So a holy minister provides protection, a holy minister. Connection with God. Consider what's happening here. The people are coming to the tabernacle with their animals and their joys and their sorrows—joy for deliverance, sorrow for sin, longing in their hearts for absolution, meaning So, whatever the reason was that each individual that we can imagine coming to the Lord in the text, the people are coming to meet with God. They're accepting and encounter with the Lord. They are uh, Mm anticipating this nut watering interaction with God in a vibrant, visible, spiritual appearance of Sacrifice and blood and smoke always hold them a sacred message: God loves you. God is pleased with you. God delights in you. God. God. We've confessed this already this morning. Word is a means of grace. The word, the sacrament, prayer, these are God's means of grace. The outward and ordinary way that Christ communicates the benefits of redemption to the people. Communicate, and not just visibly or audibly to who are but spiritually communicate them to our hearts. We receive from the Lord's blessing. In the midst of grace, a holy ministry offers protection and connection. Which leads to the big takeaway from our text this morning: Keep the ministry holy. God demands it, and God deserves it. God's people need it, so keep the ministry. It's lovely simple. Leaders practice godliness in greed, marriage, sexuality, family life, and spiritual service. People practice godliness in giving and living. And for the men, and for the leaders, and for the people, and then additionally, everyone, all together. Support each other and keep each other accountable. Isn't it interesting that all of these verses, even the ones just to the high priest, were still in the midst of all the people? As I said, these verses to everyone, which tell us that every single person in Israel has a hand in preserving the ministry of holiness. It's not just for a select group of powerful men instructions, or for the whole community. It's just the whole community to guard the ministry. As one commentator, Jeffrey Harper puts it, when it comes to liturgy, there are no secrets. There are no secrets, no factory deals, nothing that the priest the hiding from the people. No secrets. Everything is out in the open because everybody has a hand. Protecting the holiness of the ministry, and that's how it should be for us. For us, who read 1 Peter 5, or 1 Timothy chapter 3, or Titus, chapter 1, or James chapter 3, God still calls serious leaders to practice godliness and grief, marriage, Sexuality, family life, and spiritual service. Or you can read 2 Corinthians eight and nine, or Hebrews thirteen, or or Titus chapter 40, God still calls His people to practice, doctrines and giving and living. So, Christ Church of Arlington, this is God's word for us. Let's. The ministry holy, but see the ministry holy elders, leaders. God calls you. God calls us to a high standard of holiness. We need to live so that our lives exhibit hope and faithfulness and moral holiness, so that when the people of Christ Church of Arlington look at the elders, they can see. God is in action; they can see redemption taking place in our lives. Again, as we go about our lives with hope and faithfulness and wholeness, moral wholeness in this case, and and it's important that you conduct your ministry as a service to the Lord. Your service on the session; it's not just another meeting. It's more than organizational leadership, and it's not for the pursuit. It is a spiritual service to God, a spiritual service to God's people. This is our call to you. the leaders of here, Christ, Church of God. And how? The congregation of First Church of Arlington God still calls you to offer pure, perfect, prudent, and proper gifts to the Lord. And so, bring your offerings. the Lord, generally, fortunately, and jointly, give yourselves to God. Your offerings here are not just simply tax-deductible donations, to are in The church is in theory. It's, it's, it's a ministry of God's people, Lord God. And you stay here. It's not simply like volunteering your services with a non-profit. The church is we, we are a ministry. Because we are, as a people, participating in God's ministry here. And so let's partner together in mutual support, mutual accountability, mutual holiness. After all, we, God's people are a royal priesthood. First Peter two And our bodies are a living sacrifice, a living offering, holy and pleasing to God. Romans 12 1. Let's keep our ministry To speak up so bad between God and his people that God had to exile them, have their land and ours to his presence. This was the huge catastrophic meltdown of the Old Testament ministry. What did that happen to us? What did that happen to us when we stumble All right, we just. Holy, we have Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners, the Head of the Church. The Church is one foundation that we said about earlier, and Jesus will save us from that catastrophe. Hebrews seven tells us Jesus' qualifications as a priest: holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Able to stay in the automotive, to draw near doctor God personally, since he always wins in the intersection for them. Hebrews ten tells us the result of Jesus' offering: we have been sanctified, made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. Holy priest, holy offering, holy ministry. Jesus achieved what the old testament represents healing, forgiveness, resurrection, not the one thing. Jesus unites us to God and nothing and no one can ever sever that connection. And so we do not need to fear spiritual exile some sort of catastrophic, spiritual meltdown of Jesus' ministry because Jesus' ministry will never fail. He keeps us secure. He protects us. He connects us with the Lord. And He makes us holy. We see that even in our passage. Six times in the passage of the promise of holiness by grace. Did you hear it? as we read this passage over and over again 218, 2115, 2123, 229, 2216, 22, 32, every single section in our text that commands a holy ministry ends with the Lord saying, I'll make your ministry holy. I will make your ministry holy. I am the Lord who sanctifies you? And a holy ministry is first and foremost and after God's grace. Because for us, on this side of this Friday and this side of Easter Sunday, we can strive for holiness with confidence. It is a grace for us when we fail, and it's by grace that we have any success. So, let's keep. The ministry is holy. Keep the ministry is holy. Keep our ministry is holy so that we can continue to enjoy the vital visible, spiritual connection that you have with God through Christ as we serve Him both on Sunday and every day throughout your life. By the way, we any so word of holy ministry we're calling, and one of you find is and so we take to Christ we're thank you so for providing us the perfect truth, you perfect offering, thank you of for giving yourself to us, for God through your spirit so that we can enjoy you forever. We pray now that you would strengthen us through that pain the spirit. That you would give us the power and influence. where we found the the of